Darren. Thank you so much, Darren and Fiona, for having me. It is a blessing to be back. And uh, I just love this church. How good was the worship time today? Let's give a big cheer for the worship team and encourage them and bless them. All my favourite songs. How did you know? You picked all my favourite songs today. I loved it. I love that song. Um, Your goodness is running after, running after. Reminds me of uh, an African pastor who's a friend of mine. He named his children Goodness and Mercy. Because when he comes home, he's driving along and they follow him along. And he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> love Don't you love Africans and their beautiful names? I actually got another African pastor uh, who named his daughter Hallelujah. She's so gorgeous. I picked her up the other day and I raised her up and I sang, I raise a hallelujah. So good. Anyway, it's great to be back here. And uh, I just wanted to mention that um, uh, if you do want... Uh, the book's up the back there. I'll be available after the service. We'd love to talk with you. And there's two other books there as well, which are interviews. I encourage you to have a look at those. And all the money goes to the church. It's not for me personally. It goes to New Hope and our ministry reaching out in the city of Brisbane. So just want to make that clear. Also, uh, I notice up the back you've got the Vision Radio devotionals. Who reads the Word for Today devotional? Yep. Okay, some of you do. So there's the adult one up the back, but there's also the youth devotional. So if you know any teenagers or young people, we encourage you to get the youth devotional and hand it out to them. They're free. You can subscribe to it. And if you uh, also want to download the Vision Radio app. Who listens to Vision Radio on the app here? Only a few people? No? Okay. Well, who listens to 106.5? Salt. Yep, yeah, great station. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So don't forget Vision Radio is also available online and uh, has 100% Christian music. Lots of great uh, preaching on there as well. Also just wanted to mention, if you ever wanted to come and visit our church in Brisbane, it's called New Hope. It's not No Hope, it's New Hope. And uh, it's next to the Normanby Hotel. Our vision is to empty the pub and fill the church. And uh, we've been there for uh, about 12 years now. We have a soup kitchen on Friday morning for the homeless. And uh, if you ever want to come and visit and volunteer, or maybe you want to share a testimony, I've been trying to get Darren to come and preach there for a while. I'm going to try and book him in in the new year. Uh, on a Friday morning, and uh, since COVID, we've seen over 2,000 people come to Christ through our outreach. Give God the glory. And it's a, great, uh, it's a great outreach, but not all of them come to church. So what we do is we take the church to them. A lot of the people are in these homeless shelters around the city. There's about 44 homeless shelters we visit every Friday. And a lot of them just won't come. Like we have a bus, we send a bus and we, some of them come, but not many of them do. So what we do is we've started Bible studies in the homeless shelters. Because how many of you know Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, amen? So uh, we just love the fact that God's opened that door for us as an inner city church in Brisbane. Uh, so if you know anyone or, you know, if you ever want to come visit us, you're welcome. And uh, Pastor Darren was telling me you guys are doing an outreach here on the streets and great to see that you're sending out those food hampers, you know. So important. Because Jesus has called us to go to the last, the least, and the lost, hasn't he? Amen. Jesus always called us to go lower in our ministry. So I encourage you to uh, come and visit if you ever want to visit in, in Brisbane. And uh, this is my last sermon in Australia uh, before my long service leave. This Thursday, my wife and kids and I are going to America for two months. And uh, we're going to be staying at the Billy Graham Pastors Retreat in North Carolina and uh, visiting a few other friends and family across the U.S., and I'm going to be doing some radio interviews, a little bit of preaching. My wife's letting me out a few times to preach, uh, but long service leave as well. And then finishing up at New Hope Church in Hawaii, uh, suffering for Jesus. It's going to be terrible, so please keep us in your prayers. Um, 
but uh, it's, it's an honour to be back here today. If you want to open your Bibles today, uh, we're going to look at Luke 15, verse 17 to 24, well known as the prodigal son. And uh, today's message is called the Father's Heart or the Father's Love. How many of you know God loves us? How many of you know he's a good, good father? I really want to share today about how many people have what's called an orphan spirit. They live and think like an orphan. But they need to get the revelation of the love of the Father. We're going to be sharing a bit about that today. And at the end of the service, we'll be opening the altar and wanting to pray for people that might need a revelation of the Father's love, might need healing to be set free from the orphan spirit. really believe it's an important word uh, for the church in Australia in this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, we ask that you would speak to us. God, give us revelation. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see. Soften our hearts to receive your word. We pray that as the seed is sown, Lord God, it will multiply 30, 60, 100 fold. And that today we won't just be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word, Lord God. We can apply this to our lives. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, many of you would know the famous story of the prodigal son, one of the most well-known parables that Jesus told. We all know it's about a father that had two sons, and one son had had enough. He wanted to go off and party. So he got his inheritance from his father and went off and squandered his money with prostitutes and ended up feeding the pigs. We all know the story. We're going to start at verse 17 today and focus on the second half of this parable. Verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Let's just pause there for a moment. Firstly, I just want to unpack a little bit of this orphan spirit thinking that the prodigal son had. He had a wrong view of his father, didn't he? He was feeding the pigs. He was starving. He ruined his life. He was at rock bottom. How many of you know often you need to be at rock bottom before you come to God and you come to your senses? He was at rock bottom and he thought, maybe I can be a hired servant in my father's house. I'm no longer worthy to be called son. I call that stinking thinking. You need to check up from the neck up if you think that way. He had the wrong view of his father, didn't he? He thought, maybe I can just, maybe he'll accept me back as a servant. There's many people who have that view of God the Father. They think, I've got to earn my way to have salvation or I've got to prove myself to God. But how many of you know God just loves us? How many of you know God pursues us? 
He's running after us. We just sang it, didn't we? He's running after us. And that's what it says in verse 20. It says, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. How many of you know? That's what our Heavenly Father wants to do with us. He rejoices over us. He pursues us. He runs after us. Pastor Matthew Williams shared the story that one afternoon when his son was three years old, he was upset with him. He decided that it was time to run away from home. His son had had enough of his dad and he was going to go it alone at three years old. So his son walked out of the garage walked down the driveway and started down the sidewalk. He got three houses down the street before his father ran to him as fast as he could. He hugged him and brought him home. Of course he ran. This makes perfect sense to us. We would do that if our kids ran away, wouldn't we? We'd run after them. In the first century, however, Middle Eastern men never, never ran. If he were to run, he'd have to hitch up his tunic so he wouldn't trip. And if he did this, he'd show his bare legs. And in that culture, it was humiliating and shameful for a man to show his bare legs. So here's the question. If it was shameful for a man to run in that culture, why did the father run when his son returned to him? What motivated him to shame himself? Before we answer that question, we have to understand this important first century Jewish custom. Kenneth Bailey, in his book, The Cross and the Prodigal, talks about that if a Jewish son lost his inheritance among the Gentiles and then returned home, the community would perform a ceremony called the kazaza. Everyone say kazaza. Bless you. <laughs> they would break a large pot in front of him and yell, you are now cut off from your people. And the community would totally reject him. So why did the father run? He probably ran in order to get to his son before he entered the village. The father runs and shames himself in an effort to get to his son before the community gets to him so that his son does not experience the shame and humiliation of their taunting and rejection. The village would have followed the running father and would have witnessed what took place at the edge of the village between the father and the son. After this emotional reuniting of the prodigal son with the father, it was clear there would be no kazaza ceremony. There'd be no rejecting of the son, despite what he had done. The son had repented and returned to the father. The father had taken full shame that should have fallen upon his son and clearly shown to the entire community that his son was welcome back home. The application to our own lives is crystal clear. Our heavenly father has taken our shame through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who willingly endured the cross on our behalf. He took our sins and our shame so that we wouldn't have to. As a result, we can be forgiven, restored and accepted home. 
We don't have to fear going home to our Father or confessing our sins no matter what we've done or how many times we've done it. Remember Jesus taught his disciples to forgive 70 times 7. Remember in Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In this parable, only the father could restore the son to full sonship. In our case, we are sinners. And there's nothing that we can do to restore our lost relationship with the holy God except take one single repentant step back to him. And then he's off and running, welcoming us back home. Not only does he forgive us, but he takes, upon our sh- he takes upon himself our shame. He lifts off that weight that we carry on our shoulders for our past mistakes and he wipes the slate clean once more. We need to experience the love of the Father afresh. In Luke 15, 20 it says, While he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Another thing in Middle Eastern culture that was shameful was the public kissing. The word in this story is the word kataphilosian in Greek, which means kiss tenderly or kiss fervently or kissing repeatedly. This word's only used six times in the New Testament and Luke uses it four of those times. Twice Luke uses it to speak of the woman who was a sinner. In Luke 7.37... It says, and a woman was in the city who was a sinner. Having learned that he was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then he continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. When Simon was critical of her, being overly demonstrative, Jesus turns to him and says, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Such were the kisses of the father to the son. He would not stop kissing his son for sheer joy. And I would guess that those kisses were contagious. With the son soon returning kiss for kiss. Kissing him who first kissed him. Loving the father perhaps for the very first time in his life as he experienced kisses that healed that which had been broken in him for so long. What is the father up to? He runs in haste. He embraces passionately. He kisses repeatedly all to one end to declare beyond all doubt that the son is loved by the father in heaven. We all know the famous hymn from Charles Wesley, And Can It Be? He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, for oh my God, it found in me. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Grace means God stoops down to embrace us and kiss us. The father saw He was moved with compassion, then he ran, then he embraced, and he kissed the son. That's what the father's love is today. 
remember years ago hearing about Ted Haggard, who was the leader of the Evangelical Alliance in America. He was a moralist and spoke against all sorts of sins and was publicly in the media all the time. Had a church of 10,000 called New Life Church in Colorado. One day it was announced that he had fallen in sin. He'd been caught with a male prostitute and it was all over the media. He was sacked from his church. He left the ministry. He went and hid in some hotel room to, to hide from the cameras. Interestingly, his wife stayed faithful to him through all those years of public shame and embarrassment. She actually, his wife actually wrote a book called Why I Stayed about how she felt God tell him, God tell her that God's a God of second chances. Anyway, one day I was having my day off with my beautiful wife and I was flicking around the TV and Oprah was on. Now, I don't recommend people watch Oprah, but it was on the TV and Ted Haggard was on, the fallen TV preacher. And Ted Haggard was weeping on the TV, talking about how broken he was because of the sins he'd committed. And Oprah said to, said to him, how do you know that God has welcomed you back? And he said, for years I'd read the prodigal son story. And I read that it was all about us running back to the father. But God spoke to me in the middle of my mud and sin and depression and the sickness that I had in my addictions. In the middle of that, God spoke to me about the prodigal son and he said, take one step back to the father and the father will run after you. And he preached the gospel probably to a billion people on Oprah around the world. This is the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? We're all sinners. All we've got to do is come to Jesus and one drop of Jesus' blood is enough to wash away all of our sins. Isn't that good news? The Father pursues us. He runs after us. He gives us his robe and his ring saying that everything I have is yours. Let's be careful we're not like the other son in the prodigal son story who was all like, oh, I missed out. You know, I'm not going to go down that path, but let's focus on on the other son. Romans 8.14 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you're in fear again. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And I loved it in the prayer room this morning. My brother was praying for me. And he cried out, Abba, Father, thank you for your blessing today. You know that word Abba is translated like the word Daddy. Like a little child that crawls up on the father's lap and says, Daddy. By him we can cry, Abba, Father. We're no longer slaves. We don't have to go back and be a slave in the father's house. We have adoption as sons and daughters back into the Father, in the Father's house. Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. 
God sets the lonely in families and he leads out prisoners with singing. God is a good, good father. Let me share a few statistics about fatherlessness. This is from the US and the stats are very similar in Australia as well. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavioural disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, 9 times the average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centres come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. If you research this and you look into it, the fatherlessness crisis in our nation, in the nations of the world, has created a father wound in many people. And they're living with an orphan spirit. They're living like they haven't got a heavenly father that loves them. They haven't got an earthly father that loves them either. And I felt God speak to me. You know, we've seen many come, come to Christ in the last couple of years and uh, people from homeless shelters, many with addictions and mental health problems, many struggles. And I felt God say to me uh, that we need spiritual mothers and fathers to raise up spiritual sons and daughters. I look around this church, I see a whole bunch of spiritual mothers and fathers. Strong Christians. Strong mothers and fathers in the spirit. And I feel to encourage you today to raise up Timothys, raise up Esthers. You see, every Christian should have a Paul as their oversight. Everyone should have a Barnabas, that's our encourager alongside. But everyone should have a Timothy that we're raising up or an Esther that we're raising up. Who are your Timothys? Who are your Esthers? Encourage you to pray that God will, uh, will lead you to spiritual sons and daughters that you can be a spiritual mother and father to. In the older and the younger. The Bible talks about it all through the epistles to respect our elders and to raise up the next generation. One of the greatest needs in the body of Christ is to release the spirit of sonship. Since both the nation of Israel and the church were modelled after the biblical family structure, its leaders were supposed to function more as spiritual parents than corporate executives. The Apostle Paul said that we only have few fathers but we have many teachers in 1 Corinthians 4. Those who have not been properly fathered in the natural can tend to walk with an orphan spirit. Unfortunately, many leaders in the church and the marketplace still function emotionally with an orphan spirit, even though they have been adopted as sons into the family of Father God. Many people with orphan spirits are limited in their capacity to make disciples and maximise their kingdom purpose. Many years ago, I read a book by a guy named Jack Frost. Great name for a preacher, isn't it? Great Christmas name, you know. And he wrote a book called Experiencing Father's Embrace. And for me, it was life-changing. He talked about how that there are five different kinds of fathers. The first kind of father is a good father. And many of us have had good fathers. But the problem if you've had a good father is you can maybe think that God the Father isn't good enough. You see... The lens of our earthly father, we, we look at our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. James Dobson talks about it, you read about it in, in, in many uh, Christian books, that 
The way that we look at our Heavenly Father is what our earthly father was like. Another kind of father is the passive father. Now, my father I'd fall, would fall into that category. He's not a believer. He wasn't really interested in my sport as a kid, wasn't really interested in me working in radio, wasn't really interested. We, we love each other and we're, we, we have a good laugh. We love talking about the footy. We love talking about politics, all that kind of stuff. But I would call him a passive father who's a bit distant. And when I first became a Christian, I realised that was my view of what my heavenly father was like. That God was passive. God was keeping me at arm's length. He didn't really listen to my prayers, didn't really love me and, and care for me that much. And I thought God was passive like my earthly father. Another kind of father is an abusive father. Some people may have been abused. They say one in seven ladies have been abused. Uh, sorry, one, one in seven men have been abused. One in three ladies have been abused in our nation. Heartbreaking statistics. Many people have had an abusive father and they think God the Father is abusive. Many people have had an absent father who just hasn't been on the scene and they appropriate that to God the Father. Some people have what's called a rewards-oriented father where your father only rewards you if you get good grades at school or you get the trophy at sport or whatever, if you get a, a, a pay rise or a, a great job, then you'll be rewarded. You've got a rewards-oriented father. Many people appropriate that to God the Father. Just like the prodigal son, many people have the wrong view of our heavenly father. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. And we're loved by him, aren't we? He's a perfect heavenly father. He's a good, good father. Some of the traits of the orphan spirit from Pastor Joseph Matera, he lists them, he says, people who have an orphan spirit who have the wrong view of God the Father, they, they tend to be hypersensitive. They tend to not know how to be a spiritual parent to others. They tend to be competitive all the time, trying to prove themselves. They're driven for a, by, for a search for significance. They don't know how to emotionally connect with people. Those with an orphan spirit don't know how to feel good about themselves. They've always just got this cloud hanging over them. Those with an orphan spirit don't know how to treat others. They have unhealthy relationships. Those with an orphan spirit don't know how to interpret reality correctly. Those with an orphan spirit are constantly looking for approval and recognition from others. Those with an orphan spirit don't know how to submit to spiritual authority. Those with an orphan spirit have difficult time in their family relationships. And those with an orphan spirit have a difficult time relating to God as a good, good father. My prayer today is that if you have felt that you've got the wrong view of God the Father, the wrong view of our perfect, good, heavenly Father, that you'll be healed and set free from the orphan spirit today. In Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11, Jesus said, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm here to tell you, God is a good, good Father. He loves us with an everlasting love. Now some of you may need some prayer today to be healed from the orphan spirit. But some of you might know someone that needs to be healed from the orphan spirit today. At the end of the service, we're going to open the altar to pray for you if you need healing in that area. 
But if you know someone and you want to stand in the gap for them as well, we want to pray for people to be healed and set free from the orphan spirit. Let me tell you one of my favorite stories from our church. There was a, a young couple named Joel and Jess who had been living uh, in a homeless shelter in, in the inner city of Brisbane. Uh, they were on ice. They just had a baby boy. He was living in this dirty little squalor. And uh, one day I turned up with our church bus and said, hey guys, do you want to come to our church? We're, we've got a soup kitchen on. And they said, what's on the menu? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> haven't you heard the same beggars can't be choosers? Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, they got on the bus, they had the little baby boy with them. They came to the soup kitchen and they grabbed as much food as they could because we always have these you know, food parcels. They grabbed as much as they could and they carried all these bags home. And uh, I, I dropped them home and I said, hey mate, I'm so glad you're able to come, Joel. I just want to know, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour? Have you ever asked him to forgive you of your sins? And he goes, don't talk to me about that God stuff. He told me a story that his father had been in ministry many years before and had done the wrong thing and he had a father wound. And because of his earthly father doing the wrong thing, he blamed our heavenly father. I said, well, mate, you're welcome to come along. I'll be back next week. I'll pick you up. Just come along and have some food. We'll love you, mate. He goes, okay. Came back the next week. Came back the next week. Every week at our soup kitchen, we have someone preach the gospel and share their testimony. And about three weeks later, I saw Joel and his wife and son at the altar call, giving their hearts to Jesus. And he told me a bit more of his story. He said that his mum lives in Newcastle and listens to History Makers radio show, the show I do on Rima FM in Newcastle. And for 20 years, she had been praying that I would meet him one day. <laughs> and he said, do you know my mum's been praying that I'd meet you one day? And he said, I rang her up and I told her that I'm going to your soup kitchen. <laughs> and he said she was in tears. Never underestimate the power of a mother's prayers, hey? So Joel and his wife uh, then got baptised. Uh, they did a baby dedication at the church for the little fella, Andrew. Uh, and then they asked me to do their wedding. And they couldn't afford to do a big wedding. So they said, could we do it at the soup kitchen? Because that way we'd have to pay for catering. <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> So I told everyone at the soup kitchen, wear your best clothes next Friday. We're doing a wedding for Joel and Jess. So we're all dressed up in our suits. They invited the Salvos to come, the Red Cross, like every charity they've been working with all came. And they said, Pastor Matt, one thing you've got to do is you've got to preach the gospel in our wedding service. I said, yeah, sure. Got up and preached the gospel, did their wedding vows, preached the gospel. I think it was 12 people came to know Jesus on that day. Give God the glory, you know. Hello. So Joel and Jess were on the right journey. But how many of you know, it can be a bumpy road. About three months after that, Joel was walking along near his uh, accommodation and he found a little bag of ice. And he thought, oh, I better get rid of this so no one else has it. And he put it in his pocket. Late that night, he'd had a couple of drinks, 
pulled it out, thought, oh, just once. Just once. And he had that ice that night, and then the next day, and then the next day he was addicted again. Him and Jess started fighting again. It was not pretty. And eventually he went to the rehab that we work with called Rito Rehab, spent six months there, went cold turkey, got off the drugs, came back, got back with Jess, got clean, got on track again, and we offered him a job as our bus driver. And he was our best ever bus driver we had. For months and months and months, he worked for us, probably for about 18 months he worked for us, going around the city, picking people up from homeless shelters, because he's covered in tats and he's, you know, mean looking dude, you know, and he'd say, come to our soup kitchen. And they go, yeah, whatever you say, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joel rang me one day and he said, Pastor Matt, I've been offered a job uh, in, uh, in, in Adelaide, in South Australia, running a Salvo's op shop. And he rings me up every now and then. He said, guess what, Pastor Matt? We've started a soup kitchen now. Guess what? We've started a men's group now. Guess what? The church is starting to grow that we're a part of now. And I think this is the way the kingdom works, isn't it? People come to know Jesus, get healing, get delivered. They might fall, but they get back on track. Remember the Bible says, restore people gently when they're caught in sin. Restore them gently when they're caught in sin. That's what the Father does. That's what the Father did to Ted Haggard restored him gently. That's what the Father does for those of us when we stray. He restores us gently. He pursues us. He's running after us. And then our scars become our stars. Our mess becomes our message. Instead of being a victim, we become a victor in Christ. Amen? I wonder how many Joels there are in Nambour here that your street team might be feeding at the moment or praying for at the moment. Don't give up on those Joels, on those Jesses. Don't give up on them. Be a spiritual mother and father to these sons and daughters. And it ain't going to be perfect. It's going to be messy. They're going to make mistakes. Just like my kids do. They're still my kids. You know, there's two ways you can live in my house. You can live like my kids. Go to the fridge any time you want. <laughs> you know, ask for money off Dad whenever you want. You know, throw your washing, you know, in the washing basket any time you want. You know, you can live like a son or a daughter in my house or you can live like an orphan in my house. You can come to my house and not wanting to go to the fridge or not wanting to ask for anything, not wanting to have a relationship with me, thinking I'm distant. There's a lot of Christians that have that orphan mentality of God the Father. We've got to live like we're sons and daughters of a heavenly Father. We've got to realise that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. The same things that Jesus did, we can do, amen? He told us to heal the sick, cleanse the, leper, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. The same things Jesus and the disciples did in the book of Acts. We're called to do the same things because we have the same inheritance. All the resources of heaven are available to us. Don't live like an orphan, like you can't go to the fridge 
live like a son or a daughter that's got fridge rights. Your identity in Christ is very important. We're going to make sure we live like we're sons and daughters of the King. You know, I heard a story about an eagle that was hatched among some chickens in a chicken coop. And that eagle just copied what all the chickens did because he thought he was a chicken. He'd be pecking on the ground and living like a chicken, living in the chicken poo like chickens do. And one day he saw an eagle flying, stretching its wings out, soaring. He thought, wow, if only I could do that. And all the other chickens said, you can't do that, you're a chicken. And he kept thinking like he was a chicken and never reached his potential. And he died in that chicken coop thinking he was a chicken. How many Christians are called to soar like an eagle, are called to rise up and be history makers and planet shakers, be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, called to do great things for God. How many of us are called to soar? But we think like a chicken. We think like an orphan. We have that stinking thinking. And we think small. My Bible tells me in the book of Isaiah, those that wait on the Lord will rise up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Even the youths grow tired and faint. But those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Friends, I want to challenge you today. Live like an eagle. Live like a son or a daughter of the Most High God, a prince or a princess of the Most High God. We have an inheritance available to us. Let's live like we're royalty. We sang that in the first song, didn't we? We're not beggars, we're royalty, amen? Don't have that prodigal son mindset that you can be a servant in your father's house. You're a son or a daughter who is adopted into the house of God, into the Father's house. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love every one of us here today. We thank you that you're a good, good Father who gives good gifts to his children. We thank you that you're a God who heals, a God who delivers, a God who provides, a God who sets us free from the chains of sin, from the curse of sin. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and move on every person's heart here today. Just before we close the service, I've got two questions to ask today. First question is, have you received forgiveness for your sins? Have you received the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus? I'm here to tell you today, God loves you with an everlasting love. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Maybe you're in a place where you don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know that you're born again. When I was 15 years old, I prayed a prayer and I asked Jesus to come into my life and I knew that my sins were forgiven. I felt this burden of sin lift off me and I was born again. I was, 
I received the Holy Spirit. Best eternal decision I could ever make. Maybe today is the day for you to say yes to Jesus. To ask him to come into your life and have your sins forgiven. Just like the son coming back to the father and the prodigal son. Maybe you want to take that step to come to the father today. Because I guarantee you the father will run and he'll wrap his arms around you today. And you'll have your sins forgiven. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed. If today you want to say yes and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. I just want you to lift up your hand and I'll pray with you today. Is there anyone today that says yes, today's the day for me. To come to Jesus. Maybe you're not sure whether your sins are forgiven and you want to recommit yourself to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up. Is there anyone today that says yes to Jesus? Okay, well, let's all pray this prayer together. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me my sins and make me born again. I turn from my sinful ways and I surrender my life to you. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Well, God bless you if you prayed that prayer today. I believe that's the first step in your relationship with Jesus. We'd love to give you a Bible and some information about following Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet? And the second question I want to ask today, have you been thinking like an orphan have you been struggling with that orphan spirit that says I don't know if God loves me I don't know if I'm good enough you're trying to prove yourselves to people you're having unhealthy relationships you're living under that orphan spirit and today you want to get filled with the love of the Father you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit you want to get that healing from that father wound Maybe you've got an abusive father and you've had the wrong view of God the Father. Maybe you've got a passive father and you've been thinking, God's passive, he's not interested in you. Maybe you've got a rewards-oriented father and you've been thinking, you've got to climb this ladder to prove yourself to God. If you've got a father wound today, if you've been wrestling with that orphan spirit today, I'd love to pray for you. And this is the prayer I'm going to pray over you as we close the service. Number 6, 24 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We want to open the altar today and pray for you if you need healing from that father wound or from that orphan spirit. If that's you today, you want me to lay hands on you and pray for you. I want to invite you to come to the altar today.